As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of The Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays, is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Well, I mean, it's Monday. Uh, we have another week of basketball, so I'm, I'm ready to go. So we have essentially this week and then two more weeks. So three more Mondays, including today, where we have regular season basketball or at least future regular season basketball to talk about in four weeks and in about a month Michele will we will have uh, a finished regular season for the Thunder which is kind of wild to think about Uh, the Thunder tonight are in Philadelphia and they will play maybe some kind of version of the Sixers Uh, right now they have tons of players that are questionable this could this could go in so many ways uh, Joel Embiid is questionable with right shoulder soreness. Danny Green is questionable with left hip recovery. Tobias Harris is questionable with right knee recovery. Furkan Korkmaz is questionable with right ankle sprain. B-Ball Paul is in health and safety protocols. And Ben Simmons is questionable with an illness that I do not believe is COVID-related. So... I mean, one of those guys, two of those guys makes a giant difference in what tonight looks like. Uh, And then on the Thunder side, we have Tony Bradley questionable with a left ankle sprain. Uh, Gabriel Deck is still not with the team. Uh, Lou Dort is out with a right hip strain. Shea is out with plantar fasciitis. Josh Hall is out with a bilateral knee soreness. And then Mike Muscala is out. And then, of course, our guy Al Horford is just no longer going to play. So... uh, Man, coach this game's decision going a lot of different directions here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's a game where, uh, well, at the beginning of the season, if you you said that to me, then it's clearly a win for the Thunder because I, I really think that uh, a mm-hmm. team with Shea could beat a team like that, um, and probably also a team that uh, was on a run. I mean, uh, we saw the Kenrich Williams plus Holford lineup winning basketball games. Right now, yep. without Dort, I'm not sure it makes a difference. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but um, my question is more, is Bell, Ben Simmons' um, illness related to foam or not? <laughs> I don't know. I would hope not. I, don't, that, I hope that his pants aren't full of foam. I mean, I'm really <laughs> that part of the podcast, you, I really risk to, to, to make a car crash. Like... I was I was laughing so hard. Do you have have you heard those before? No, of course not. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you know them now. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. Uh, My, uh, we spent our entire Saturday working outside, and um, me and my six year old son trying to come up with different versions of the diarrhea song for a good four hours that's, so, that's amazing uh, we can we came up with some really good material by the way so maybe we can make that bonus down to dunk material later on <laughs> but, uh this is basically going to be the basely poku show tonight mm-hmm. mateo yeah. 
and whoever else, Kenrich. And that has not been a, uh, a winning show as of late. Uh, I think that there's a lot of inefficiency. There's a lot of turnovers. And, but it also looks like the Sixers are going to, could possibly be out with a ton of their guys. I mean, they really need to figure out a, to get one of Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid on the floor uh, to make this kind of more of a certainty when regards to winning. But uh, the Thunder are, are, are quite beaten down right now. And they've come out and they've played well in first halves and they've kind of let go of the rope mm-hmm. pretty easy. Um, you know, that they'll come out and throw a haymaker. If they get punched in the mouth, they're pretty much down for the count is kind of how it's gone lately. Not to say that this couldn't go differently. In fact, I'm going to predict the Thunder win tonight in Philadelphia. <laughs> That's just how it's going to go. I, uh, I've been really, I've been, uh, been really good lately with my predictions. And so I'll, uh, I'll say yeah. that the wins tonight. Whatever Philly. works. Man. Uh, they do have back to right. <laughs> Whatever works. Keep going. They do have Boston, uh, tomorrow night in Boston. Second night of a back to back. I guess Lou will be gone for that one as well. And then we have the Pelicans on Friday, mm-hmm. which I'm still calling the the deck game. I think that Gabriel Deck should be out of quarantine by then and should be able to play. Um, I don't have direct information about that. That's just me trying to lining up a timeline that makes sense to me. And if not, then then certainly against Indiana on Saturday, May first. So it's at least something to look forward to. As a Thunder fan, something else to look forward to as a Thunder fan is the Athletic did a redraft Mm -hmm. of the 2020 draft. And it is, if you're a Thunder fan, you get pretty excited pretty quick uh, because there is a Thunder player that surfaces within the top 10. And that's Alexei Pokoshevsky, who is drafted seventh and also drafted by Sam Vecini, which also makes you feel better. Because Sam is uh, just a brilliant mind when it comes to the draft and these guys' development. So uh, just give me your thoughts on him going seventh in this redraft. My main take of this is Pokoshevsky did not produce at the the NBA level. Like He had a few games where you could see, well, he has flashes and also overall production. And the fact that those flashes, just those flashes, are enough for a guy like Sam Vecin to say, well, yes, I'll take him before Kilinez, or I'll take him before like plenty other guys that actually produced, like Sadiq Bey or, or guys like that. It's pretty encouraging, I would say. And, um, and he, he goes and, and also say that if Pat Williams is off the board, um, he probably chooses Pokushevsky at four, which is crazy i mean before wiseman because the only other guy that could have uh, like edwards and and lamello ball as two edwards and one lamello are locks to me um yeah the only two guys that can really rise are Halliburton and 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 pat williams so mm-hmm. and wiseman, wiseman is the only one that can drop so i think that sam pres- like prefers pokushevsky to wiseman which is yeah i think extremely interesting it's very wise, man. I think it is. I, I would not. I really don't like what Wiseman's done this season. And the versatility that Poku shows at the height that he's at is way more geared toward the NBA today than what Wiseman's role mm-hmm. is, which is a big guy, pretty skilled, but like just a really poor decision maker mm-hmm. and a guy that just hasn't gotten it together and the fact that the Warriors and this is okay for a rookie by the way like this is okay this happened with the Thunder with Domas so it's not to say that Wiseman can't be a good player down the road but like they take him off the court and they're a much better team and also the fact that they really didn't add anybody and that's that was the story with with Domas is that they added Todd Gibson and he essentially just took his spot yeah but I uh, I mean, I have a soft soft spot for Doma, so whatever you say against him, I'll, I have to fight you. Um, no, no, it's it, that's it's actually like an argument for the fact that sometimes rookies just aren't impactful, and it doesn't mean anything about what they're going to be later on. Yeah, yeah, but my point, yes, yes, that is right, and on Pokushev, and you can use that in Pokushevsky's favor. But if you compare the season that Weissman is having, he's playing the role that he will play going forward 
mm-hmm. which is not what True. happened with Domas. And and so, the, and this is probably relates a little bit to what we will say later about Paisley. Um, if you are playing outside your comfort zone as a young player in this league, you can it can get rough pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. uh, with Weissman, I mean, you're playing with Curry, you're playing with Draymond Green, which is one of the best passers in the league. Yes, having Wiggins and an Ubre doesn't really help in terms of spacing and understanding of the game. You, if you have Clay out there, it, it completely changed the dynamic of the of the team. But I mean, he's not producing, nor the team is good with him at the center position. Which I mean, if you put there Looney or a guy like that, the Warriors are much better. So the point is, yeah, and Looney's not that good. Exactly. Like, let's just let's let's be clear. Exactly. Like Looney is a probably a backup for any other team. Right. Maybe. I don't think that Looney plays backup in every single team in the league. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a he's a second or third center exactly. on most teams. Yeah. That's what he is. And he is good enough to make an improvement for them. Uh so all that to say, it is nice to see Poku getting some recognition. And it is all about what he can mm-hmm. be. And like you said, he's shown enough. That makes you think, okay, he is not Bruno. And that's what that's isn't that kind of like the baseline is let's see if he's if he's Bruno, then you know, darn, we missed, you know, because you know, Bruno's not in the league. Mm-hmm. And he was the you know, two years away from being two years away guy. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that he was just never even that close. Uh so I would um I mean, this is a big deal, and it's been he's Poku's been fun to watch. He's shown a baseline level of understanding defense. He's a great passer at his size, and really, if he can be like this shot blocking wing that can create on the offensive end and hit well enough from three, I mean, that's a that is certainly worth taking, probably even in the top five. Because I mean, guys. Really, like Isaiah Stewart went ahead of Poku in this mock draft, which uh, James Edwards took him at six. I like Isaiah Stewart a lot. The only reason that you don't take Isaiah Stewart at that level is just because of the athleticism and the ceiling that it puts on a player's career when you're not that great of an athlete at that position. I think Isaiah Stewart will get better because he is young. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's only he's 19 years old. I think he will get better. But to to put him in front of somebody that has like wild potential is I don't know you're you're just shooting for for somebody that's going to be a contributor that's that's totally fine but I do think that's quite a reach for Stewart. Yeah, you can. I mean, I if if I draft for the Hawks, I mean that is not the pick I. I, I I try to to make because it's not a position of need. You have no time to develop him because I mean Capella is playing great, uh, and you know it because you are redrafting at the, in the middle of the season or well at the end of the season, so you know. And um, so it, you don't have the space. Um, and I mean, the median outcome for Stewart is much higher than probably one of Pokushevsky and. Sure, and probably no one else above him because I think mm-hmm. that Halliburton has a pretty high ceiling. I think that Pat Williams oh, has, yeah. maybe he has a higher seed, a higher floor than Wiseman, uh, Stewart mm-hmm. has. So it's fine to keep him in the in the top ten. But um, either you see a lot of improvement in terms of passes and in terms of shooting, which the latter could be something. The former, I don't know. Um, it's hard to pick a center that cannot pass the ball. And and mm-hmm. making a top ten. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's the reason why me and you were a little bit um, on the downside in, in terms of Wiseman. I mean, he's a guy that projects to be a great athlete. Um, and but the, the IQ, the passing IQ, was never there. So I don't know. I mean, um, Poku at seven is a reach. But Stewart is a different kind of rich. Let's put it this way. It's a it's different. A, it's yes, a safe. It's a, different bat. Kind it's a super of safe bat, which which is not what mm-hmm. you want to do at six, probably in a draft like that. Because if you don't draft Stewart, say that Stewart becomes a better version of 
plumbly or uh, even more, say, a NERC uh, kind of guy, um, yeah. 80% of Adebayo, something like that. If you miss, what's the downside? There are 10 guys that you can buy that are roughly that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Clint mm-hmm. Capella, which, who is a great player. I mean, if Stewart becomes Capella, you are very happy. You can buy, you can oh, buy yeah. Capella on the market. That is, that happened. <laughs> yeah. If Pokushevsky becomes something, that is, that is a bet that you don't want to miss. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the thing with Stewart to me is that he's 6'8". He's not 7 feet like Nerf, mm-hmm. you know, or like Capella. Yeah. Like that's that's the thing about him is that he's a six foot eight center who will out effort everybody. He can score well around the basket. I like him a lot. I just think it's a it's a little bit of a reach on him. And then like notable guys that they left out of of the top fourteen. I think Precious Achua mm-hmm. deserves some consideration there. I think Tyrese Maxey deserved some consideration. Uh, Emmanuel Quickly is kind of a guy that had just. A little shocked that he didn't even make the top fourteen. Like the guy's been that's a he's a good that's player. Like he's a good fault. player today. He had to go with this guy on the second round. I mean, he's pumping Paul Reeds <laughs> since the beginning. Come on. I love B Ball Paul more than just about anybody, but that is outrageous. I mean it's just that's an outrageous Yeah, I was scrolling pick. through and say, Well, where is quickly? I mean it's I mean even Teo, like I'm not out here saying like, oh my gosh, that what a travesty that yeah. Teo wasn't picked in the top 14. Like I don't think that, but you have to take Teo before B-Ball Paul. <laughs> you just have to. <laughs> I just, to me, that is a wild one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't quite get that. And Sadiq Bay could should have gone higher, I think, in this mock as well. And then guys that were left out that did go, and also a, a Coro. Like, come on. Like, Isaac Okoro has done enough to at least go in the back half of that. I mean, he plays a lot for that team, and he defends at a high level. The offense is not there yet, uh, and that's okay. I think it will come. I think that guy works so hard. I think if you're going to include a Kongwu, then you have to include Okoro. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Yeah, it's 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 probably based on uh, these three guys' taste, and you, and you can see that. Um, certainly is yes and and probably it's it's also you know like if you if you have to to rank rookies in terms of production then it's quite easy i mean you just rank them and Mm -hmm. you you can add um, a bonus for good games and and probably you have some sort of ranking like going Mm -hmm. with your idea no matter how the rookie performs is probably not correct but also left that idea completely out like we were high yeah. on certain guys and one season may not be enough to say, especially this season, may not be enough to say, well, uh, I, I had it wrong. Uh, I need to go back. Yeah. And, because, I mean, those guys were not high on Okor. I mean, Sam was probably the highest. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes you... I get it. You don't see extremely... Uh, you don't see improvements in areas where you want to see improvement. And if you think that offense mm-hmm. is the point for Okoro to reach his ceiling, which is which probably is, this season didn't answer your questions. Yeah, certainly not. Uh, and it's it makes sense. I would just, I mean, again, I go back to B-Ball Paul. <laughs> Even Isaiah Stewart. Like, I think I'd rather have take the take the swing on Okoro than take Isaiah Stewart. Because it like least, the least you're going to get from Okoro is like a good defensive wing, and if he can get it together on offense, which I still believe in him. Uh, other guys that didn't make it, Obi Toppin, yeah, who went eighth. He's only played 500 minutes this season. Uh, that's rough. Yeah. Uh, Denny Avdia, who went out with a with an injury, mm-hmm. uh, he'll be out for the rest of the season. That's yeah. not Three, great, but like, he hasn't bad, had the best season either. Bad injury. Tough to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh Jalen Smith, predictably, who's played 89 minutes all season. <laughs> we could have told the Suns, no, don't do that. I'm, I'm fine at the end of the first round saying, well, if he somehow is able to shoot it, then it's better than just taking a random guy. But 
Yeah. Ten? But to take him ahead of Vassell, who could really help Tyrese. your team. Uh, Tyler Saliburton. Yeah, man. It's... Who obviously can... I mean, he helps everybody. I mean, he almost beat the uh, the Warriors last night yeah, it's... with this, with the Kings. I mean, he was leading that team. It's, like, it's on, insane. Man, like, of... That pick doesn't make any sense. Like, to me, uh, it's what it... do you see in Jalen Smith to, to make you say, well, I'll... Sp-. Because with, with Cam Johnson, I hate... I hated the pick back then. But you could see, well, mm-hmm. we want one thing. Like, remove... All the players that are not in our the the culture that we want to to build, like you see T.J. Warren go away, you see other guys like uh, Just Jackson, which clearly has talent. You could see that. Like enough, enough of these guys. We want good guys, um, mm-hmm. and we want shooters because the idea is we surround Aiton with, with shooting and we'll take it from there. Fine, I see the plan. I don't agree. I'll see the plan, but with Smith. What is the plan? Like, why? <laughs> you took the wrong yeah. guy. They just flat took the wrong guy. They misspelled something? Yeah, that, I don't know. Is there another? <laughs> yeah, is there another Jalen? Yeah. There's lots of Jalen's well, in this McDaniels. next draft. I, I mean, know there's another take Jaylen. McDaniels. Yes! Oh my gosh, Jaden. Not Jalen, Jalen's yes. his brother, but Jaden. Like, Jaden McDaniels, if they just... You swing and you miss on him at 10, which he's become a good pro. Even in a bad situation, we'll about like that. you can watch him play. And be like, okay, like he's there. Like he's he should be, and he was picked in this mock draft too. He he would be perfect for the Suns mm-hmm. right now. There's actually a lot of guys that would be perfect. Yeah, for don't the Suns. play Kaminsky. Play uh, McDaniel's. That's probably a win for both. Like, yes, yes. yeah. Um, so Jalen Smith at ten was out. Uh, Kirillus Jr. is not in the draft and then Aaron Neesmith who went 14th also not in the draft. So lots of guys that moved up and it's weird. It's a weird one. Honestly, (laughs) when I read through it, I was like, this is kind of a weird one. It's kind of a weird redraft. I don't know that I like it. I didn't feel satisfied after reading it, even though like Poku went really high. I just, it, I just came away thinking like this, this feels like something that you did at right after the draft was over almost in some Mm -hmm. ways. You know, like it didn't feel. Or after the G League bubble, know. something like that. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just it felt it just kind of left me feeling strange. But it's worth a read. It's a good. It's it's a very interesting article. And if you're excited about Poku, this uh, will do nothing to deter you from that excitement. Uh, okay, we're gonna take a quick break before we do that. We're gonna go to the stream and see who is with us, and then we are going to hear a word from our sponsors we have kyle clark saying let's go we have miroslav in germany we have hoopstock 69 in the chat we have kurt leftwich from little rock we have big mike from new zealand we have lawrence field in boston we have michael austin from gulf shores alabama Ooh, i'd like to be there right now uh mad rain 03 in muskogee creek nation uh, Kyle Clark in Orlando, Florida. Colin Reed at Lake Arcadia. Let's see. Reese in Norman, Oklahoma. We have Acharya, Acharya in India. I'm so sorry. That's clearly wrong. Tyler Field at OKC. We have Nate Sanders wanting some Charlie Brown talk. Don't worry. That's coming at you soon. We have Christos in Greece eating some cookies and cream ice cream. Man, that sounds delightful. Uh, we have Larry Miller in Sarasota, Florida. We have, oh man, Sarasota. I love Sarasota. Uh, Falk in Denmark. We have my guy Jeremy Lamb, the real Jeremy Lamb in Bethany, Oklahoma. We have Hermes in Greece. We have Fitty in Oregon. We have Christian in Indiana. We have Bain in London. T in Miami. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining. We have Luke Babbitt. Luke Babbitt. Listening in from work. Where are you working now, Luke? How does it sound that like you're out of the league? Where are you at? Uh, Mahdi in Bangladesh. Uh, lots of people in the chat. Achar from Mexico. Uh, <laughs> I can't say your first name. Krishna. Sorry. Uh, thanks so much, everybody. We have Niner by Nature from Seattle. Joshua from Nashville. Uh, Felipe in Brazil. Uh, thanks so much. DTD Worldwide. 
Thanks so much, everybody. We'll be right back after this quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. And we're back from that quick break. McKellie, uh, I think this would be a good time to talk about Baisley. Since he's been back from his injury, we've gotten to see what he can do on a team that doesn't have uh, a lot of players on it. So he gets to use a lot of possessions and kind of see where his development is at. And uh, I'll just throw to you. What have what have you seen from Bayes that's been encouraging to you? Mm, not much, but <laughs> because yeah. in the end, I mean, <laughs> you, you you want to see you want to see production, uh, and production overall is there. I mean, he's rebounding the ball, he's doing stuff on the court, but you want to see efficiency. Um, this league is. I wouldn't say almost about efficiency, but most of it. Uh, you need to be an efficient player or an outrageously productive one, aka Russell Westbrook. Uh, and basically, is not that player. Um, so, and, and even in, even if you take a player as productive as Russ, you're still questioning his efficiency to some degree. So he he has been extremely inefficient and the shooting is a concern but overall i can shake the fact that a lot of it to me is shooting selection um because i mean he has when he has his feet set he's much better and i don't know why he's Mm -hmm. taking those shots i i have no idea um i don't know if this is by design Uh, i don't know if the coaching staff want want him to like to explore and to do stuff with the ball uh to try to be an initiator um last year was almost only uh, a finisher i mean when the ball went to basely it's just a shot and that's it it's a bit of that and in general i mean if there is one thing that you can fix especially if you have been good in the past is shooting so i, I really wonder if a year well a summer a long summer of development will change basically because i mean all the other things are there and if it's just shooting and you had like stretches where you where it was actually mm-hmm. good then probably there is something there uh, to work with yeah uh positive on in on the uh stats portion of this is that he is shooting 60 percent in the restricted area this season where he was 53 mm-hmm. last season so there's an improvement and i think we've seen that that matches the eye test to me is that once he gets into mm-hmm. once he gets to the rim, he's finishing through contact more. He's dunking more uh, from the wing. Sixty percent at the rim is not awful. Um, as a big, it's not great, but he can still improve that. I believe with strength and reps and reading the defense and learning how to do that better as he goes on. He has been given a lot more opportunity to to do stuff. Last season, it was. Hey man, catch and shoot. If you can attack, close out, do that, and then defend your tail off. And that's how you'll get minutes. And he did. He excelled at that. And then they were like, okay, let's give you some more. Let's, cre- let's start to learn to create. And it has had mixed results for him largely. And the biggest fall off he's had is from three. Um, <laughs> he, the numbers are are discouraging in almost every way. He's only 34% from... Uh, he was 34% from the corners last season. No, no. He's 20, 34% from the left corner this season, which is not good. Like 34% no. as like an overall three-point percentage is fine. 
Uh, it's it's below league average, but that's just from the left corner. From the right corner, he's four of twenty three on the season, seventeen percent. Uh, quite bad, twenty seven percent from the corners overall. You can't. Yeah, that's. that's, that's I mean, that is borderline. Hey, you shouldn't. You shouldn't shoot that shot. And that's bad. <laughs> like for anybody that projects to be a shooter, to tell them to not shoot from the corners is bad. Uh, I don't think those numbers are necessarily predictive of what he's going to be moving forward, but it's not good for this season so far. Uh, above the break, he's 29% on the season, and he's taken a ton from above the break. 173 three-point shots from above the break, uh, 51 made. So it has not even been a mixed bag from three for him. It's just been a bad shooting season for him from deep. And that was something that we had hoped would progress this season because it did progress in the bubble. He p- shot really well in the bubble and shot pretty well from the from three last season. He was 34% from three last season. And even if he just held to that and added some of the finishing that he had, he'd be a decently productive player. Now you look at just his raw production, it has increased, and that's because of shot attempts and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's up to 13 points per game, seven and a half boards, 1.5 assists, half a steal, half a block. It's good. 71% from the free throw line. That's probably, if you're going to, if you were to point to anything at all that makes you feel encouraged about him as a shooter, it's that he can shoot plus 70% from the free throw line, which means that he can maybe be like a 35% three-point shooter. And if and and he's yep. been that. You know, he was that last season. He was 34.8% from three. And he's up the volume and things have fallen. And that's where you do feel like, oh, okay. Because with the larger sample comes more certainty of what you are. You know, he's taken hundred he took 141 threes last season. Made 34%. He's taken 232 threes this season. He's made 28% of them. And who knows what's real? He struggled with injuries. He's been out of the lineup. Uh, so I'm not willing to say that Bayes is just not a good shooter. I actually think he can be. Uh, but he's, you know, he's he's got to get better. He's got to develop that portion specifically if he wants a shot because there are going to the thunder have a billion draft picks and the things mm-hmm. that Baisley has done is not going to deter them from taking a forward in the draft oh, no, no, and no, no, his no. spot no. on this team is not guaranteed moving forward and i like Baisley a lot his versatility his potential it's all there it's all there the whole package is there but at some point, you got to put it together on the floor. And this is just year two. The dude hasn't played. He's barely played 100 NBA games. So this is not uh, like a – I'm not trying to decide anything, but I'm just – you kind of have to know where you've been to know where you need to go. And where we've been this season is uh, the shooting has regressed quite a bit. Yeah, and we need to also to acknowledge the fact that last year he was playing with much much better passers no question yes especially at this point in the season and this doesn't um, make a case for him because i mean if you are a shooter you need to be okay with a variety of passers she is not the best best bad passer by any means is not a great one maybe but um so i wonder um, I wonder if how much of the Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder factor plays into his number being good last year, especially in the bubble. Um, but I also want to say that he's extremely young. He was one of the youngest players in last year's draft. And he didn't have one of the most important summers that a player can have because of mm. COVID. I mean, Shea did not improve uh, in his during the summer i mean he was bad in the bubble bad by uh our standards which were pretty high um then he had a great season and basically in spots i remember there were a handful of games where he was great we was taking me jump mid-range jumpers and then had injuries so i wonder if like i i think that we need to say that he has been bad but not forget that he had moments 
if we swap the if we swap the um, Pokushevsky and the Baisley's seasons, mm-hmm. I think we, we'd say, wow, Poku is producing like crazy, and we still say, well, Baisley is bad because Poku's uh, statistics are terrible, and and and, and Baisley had. I would say as many good games as Poku had. Those were just at the beginning, like before injuries and and stuff like that. So I wonder, like, yes, he he's a second year player, and so we it's fair to expect a little bit more out of him. But also, I mean, I would not say, well, just let's just say that Basley will not be a good player. Yeah, I'm not ready to say that yet. Yeah. Oh no, no, yeah. This is not an indictment on his career. It's more of just what what can, what does he need to do to improve? Um, Poku is shooting better from the corners than Baisley is. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and to to answer that, I really think that the recipe is there. I mean, he. I want to see him as the worst shooter on the a lineup where he is the worst shooter, and which means like crazy good spacing around yep. him, and just attacking off the dribble. That is something that I want to see. And, and also want to see him playing defense, not against wings. I mean, that can work. But what if you have him as someone that defends bigs? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, probably still slim for that as of today. Yes. But tomorrow, who knows? I mean, because if he can guard fours and fives, then it completely changes the dynamic of um of him. I mean he can play alongside I would say Pokushevsky and those two can be the big men. And if you have a guy like Cade that plays at the three, then you have three guys that are six eight and above. Or three guys that are Stuart, Stuart's height or above. <laughs> yeah. Which is <laughs> uh Jeff Green is not a bad comp for what Bas- what they want Basley to be. Yeah. I mean late career yeah. Jeff Green. He played center. Yeah. I think it's something to look out for for him. Yeah, that's that's a great that's a great way to to end the baseless segment. I mean, that guy can be a functional player. Um, probably not in every lineup, probably not in every situation. But if you find the right situation for him, then he can be extremely beneficial. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's coming off the bench. Yeah, it's not that. That's okay. I mean, like he was yeah, yeah where sure. he was drafted. If he even just became a bench player, that's a success. And that's how yes. that's how this works. Uh, the Thunder did sign a new two-way contract player, or, or a ten-day contract. I'm sorry, um, not two-way, ten-day contract. Uh, Charlie Brown. Do, uh, first of all, McKelly, what do do you have much knowledge of Charlie Brown? Yeah, I know who he is. Uh, I know who the peanuts are. Okay. Okay. Uh, good. I know Snoopy. You know this, but uh, it was not one of my things okay. growing up. Uh, like I knew them, but I. I didn't read much yeah. of it. Well, that's about how I feel about Charlie Brown, the NBA player. I don't know much about him. He's not my thing. He's not a part of what I do. <laughs> he has a weird face. It seems that he's, it is split in two with, with these hairs that are half blonde, half... It's it's a weird looking guy. It's quite exciting. It's quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he'll play tonight because that's the way the mm-hmm. Thunder roll with these new guys is that we're going to see some... Some Charlie Brown and, uh, you know, continue to uh, produce all the memes and all the fun things that you that you can Twitter because uh, that's that's what you do. Uh, I did find some interesting stuff about the shooting when I was looking up Baisley's shooting on NBA.com. Mm-hmm. Do you know who is the best corner three shooter on the team, McKelly? Kenrich Williams. You know what he's shooting from the corners? You're right, by the way. Yes, 49.5%. So he's shooting 56.8% according to NBA.com from corners. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I uh, tr- Like, it's true. I guessed. I didn't know the... 56.8. It's the not a ton. It's only 37 corner threes. So it's not a, just a ton. Mm-hmm. The next one, let's just let's just go through the top. Let's just go top five. We're gonna just gonna guess who's in the top five for corner threes. And um, Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala is not in the top five, but he did shoot forty one point seven percent from the corners on the season, which is good, like pretty good. 
Hmm. Um, Shea? Shea is 44% from the corners. It's only on 18 corner threes, which is, I mean, that's understandable because if you're the primary ball handler, you are not taking a ton of corner threes. But when he's taken them, he's made them. Um, I would say Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome is number three on the list, 46%, 12 of 26 on the season. Um, then it's probably Svima Hiluk. Svi is shooting 37.9% from the corners. Yeah, that's with bad. With the thunder. Yeah, not good. Not good. 20, 29 attempts overall. Yeah, I thought he had more than that. Yeah, I did too. It seems low. Mm, maybe Teo? Teo is shooting 40% from the corners. He is not in the top five. Horford? Al Horford, get ready for this. When he played for the Thunder, shot 22% from the corners. <laughs> <laughs> he was 4 of 18. Oh. Who am I missing? There's two spots uh, left. Okay. You got Kenrich Williams at 1, 56%. Ty Jerome at 3, 46%. And Shea at 5 with 44%. So we need number 2 and number 4. Um... Obviously, players that went away still count, right? They do, but it's all players that are still with us. Really? Yeah. Mm. Hmm. Lou Dort? Lou Dort. 44.9% from the corners on this season. That's unbelievable. 22 of 49. And he's 44% from the right corner, and he's 45% from the left corner. He- That's extremely consistent. It's as consistent as you can get. And the one that sticks out, I looked at Clint Brunt, who writes for AP, after this happened, and we were both just like wide-eyed. So it was at the beginning of the Wizards game. The Thunder are in transition, and Lou throws it to Tao on the wing, relocates to the corner. Tao throws it right back to him. He's open, swishes the corner three. And... We just both looked at each other just wide-eyed like, oh, my goodness. I cannot believe that that just happened. Um, mm, I saw it that. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. But, yeah, he's number two. Or no, number four. We still have the number two guy in corner threes. Who is it? I think I'm missing someone. How many attempts? It's only 17 attempts. It's not many. Then Isaiah Roby. Isaiah Roby is number two, shooting 47% from the corners. <laughs> Eight of 17, which is too low of a total. Same with Shea. Like, it's too low of a total number of, of corner threes to say this guy is, this is what this guy is, right? Like, it's just, it's yeah. way too, it's so, way too low. But it is not so if, nothing. No, it's not nothing. But if you put the threshold like around 30, then you probably have him and um Shea out. Yeah. And so you have basically Jerome and Muscala and guys like that in and probably Theo as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's not mm. there's not there's not a lot going on there. Let's see. So if we were to just rank the top five corner three point shooters with what'd you say the threshold be 30? 30. Yeah, Kenrich Williams, number one, fifty six percent. Uh, Lou Dort, number two, 44.9%. Mike Muscala, uh, number three, 41%. Teo Maladon, 40%. He, said he shot 35. Uh, Poku would be next. He's taken 43 corner threes. He's only made 30% of them. Um, I see. And then we have Baisley, who's taken 58, only hit 27%. And then that's our list. Jalen Horde has missed bad. all of his corner threes. Great. <laughs> I still like his defense. Yeah, he's he's, he's all right. I mean, there. I don't I don't think of him as being on the team, you know, any no. longer than no. this season. But yeah. No no, and he's an a hard player to see also making the league in other teams. Mm-hmm. I mean maybe Europe. I mean, I can see a future in Europe for him. Sure. Maybe I'm wrong, but guys like that usually pan out in Europe when he's tall, strong. He can play probably the four. Um, 
maybe even the five in in some leagues. He's six eight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got the size. Like the size stuff is not. I don't like how upright he is. Um, mm-hmm. He's like little Harrison Barnsey with the how upright he mm-hmm. is, but with too much neck, right? Lots, yeah, long neck, too upright. Like he's never going to be a real fluid player, and he doesn't have all like the the skill set that Harrison Barnes has. You know, it's just it's I, out there. I, I always remember a guy that we scouted for my home team, Casarimo uh, Ferrato, and. The player is Joe Trapani, mm-hmm. and I always remember he had the neck as long as he said. <laughs> and for the first time, I said, "Well, he will never pan out." He played four games and was out of the league. <laughs> yeah, that's my Jalen Horde take in a nutshell. Yeah. You know what? Lou yeah, Dort shot from the corners last season. He took forty-two. By the way, uh, I would say sub thirty. Thirty-one percent. Hmm. To improve, by the way, when I when I got my right, that's outrageous. Yeah, when I have my pizza, yeah. Do you need to send here a pizza because you lost a bet? Clearly, I did. Mm-hmm. How how do we arrange that? I totally forgot. Um, how do we arrange that? Can I send you a Papa John's pizza through the mail? How does that work? <laughs> we'll see. Do I just send you? Um, oh, you know what I could do? I could send you a Papa Murphy's pizza. Which do you know what Papa Murphy's is? I I I think I do. So the concept is take and bake. You bake it yourself. There's no no that that is not going to work. I I'm that that is no. I'm gonna send you pepperonis individually and in individually uh, addressed um, envelopes. You'll get like one day. You'll just get like so much mail. Like there'll be ch- some cheese in one envelope. There'll be some pepperonis. You know, I'll send you a package with the dough. Uh, you'll just get Papa Murphy's and uh, <laughs> individually wrapped. No, I don't know. I don't know how we do this, but yeah, he's on the season. Lou Dort thirty four point six percent. Now he's hot. He's been hot. He started the season just outrageously hot. And then went cold, and now he's kind of normalized. Where, and the most important thing in the world happened with Lou this season. The most, the most important thing when it comes to three point shooting happened with him, and that's that the other team guards him. Like that is fouls him, and not guards him. Even yes, right. Even fouls him. That is the most important thing when it comes to three point shooting. Mm-hmm. Lou could have shot thirty five percent, and if nobody guarded him, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it doesn't affect the offense. Now that teams are paying attention to him and they guard him, it becomes outrageously important to the future of the Thunder and the future of Ludort's career that teams are like, hey, you need to guard that guy. You need to close out. That has made Shea's life so much easier. It has made the Thunder look decent when just Ludort is in the game, period. Uh, you know, there was a stretch during the Wizards game where like the Thunder looked pretty good and it was because of Lou. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember us or you and Alex, I don't remember who, who was. Um I'm mixing up every single podcast. Um someone discussed this um percentage at the rim and Yeah, that was Alex. Said, well that, yeah. that 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 is that is completely fair and it's a right assessment to make. Uh but I remember when Teams were trying desperately to scheme um, green uh, when it was with the Spurs mm-hmm. out and try to to let him penetrate uh, instead of shooting. Yep. Well, even if that happens with Ludort, I mean, even if he's still shooting thirty four and fifty one, who cares? <laughs> they have that, to guard him I mean, everywhere I mean, now because he can drive exactly and he can finish. Exactly. He hit that layup over his right shoulder up and he had to lay it up high oh, yeah, off that, the glass. That, that was insane. And yeah, it was It was like, oh, okay. Like he's got, if he, does he has that in him? Plus the three-point shooting, plus the pass. I, 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 I think that we are somewhat still underrating what he can be just because he was undrafted. Where it's like, oh, well, if this is what he is, wow, that's awesome, cool. Like you're almost like satisfied with like almost every move that he makes, and uh, 
to me, I, he's still very young. He still has a lot of potential. He's still getting better. I don't know what Lou Dort's ceiling is, but even if he stopped here, uh, that is is quite impressive to me. Yeah, and 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 don't get this as um, something against what Alex says. I, I think that 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 this is a very good observation. But I take the following: like fifty one, and people are trying to guard him mm-hmm. in, as you said, in both um, in three point shooting and also. Don't, they don't want to allow him to drive because if you don't guard him, he will score. Mm-hmm. He's not really able to uh, finesse at the rim. I mean, if you look guys like Kyrie and you put two bodies on him, Kyrie will likely score anyway because he's that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steph is the same. I mean, he has this way to finish at the rim. It is unbelievable. And it, it is what makes Curry unguardable mm-hmm. because if you really play the three a lot, which is what everyone does... Um, then he still is able to to finish at the rim. Lou, I mean, okay, he he cannot finish in traffic very well, but if you let him, if you just play the three and you you have basically an open lane, he will score. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is, it, it, to me, the, the the insane part is that they are guarding him like as probably one of the best players on the court. Yep, and and he's shooting those percentage which i think are already so much he had he's shown so much improvement in both from year one to year two that if he even improve half of it <laughs> next year we're talking about a different player mm-hmm. like a very different player probably not the max level guy but he's a guy that will take average start of money for his entire career yeah if he's like that yeah. which is insane to think about yeah I mean, like we discussed, like he's a Serge Ibaka level player on your team mm-hmm. and yeah. of that importance. And if you already have that guy locked up plus Shea, you can get one, hopefully two more guys, then you're going to have a chance to be a really, really good team uh, sooner than later because you've already started the development process with these guys. So it's quite, it should be quite exciting to Thunder fans. Uh, okay. We're going to stop there. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you guys tuning in on the stream. If you're here on the stream, uh, it's great. If not, make sure that you go subscribe to our YouTube page. You can hit the little bell and it will let you know whenever we will be live. So join us live, ask questions, throw stuff at us. We appreciate that. Hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. Enjoy the back-to-back Philly-Boston games. which the Thunder will probably win both of them. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.